Hey, Base Camp. This is the final week of our overall program. Thank you very much for joining me up to this point. I hope you've had a, a beneficial time of it and that it's been um, useful and helpful and that um, it's got you excited about moving on to whatever else you have planned. Um, I'll have more on what you might have planned and how you might adjust for that um, in the coming week as we uh, go through week 13, which will basically be an overview um, where we'll talk about transitioning from the base camp to and any other program that you might want to choose. I'll also go over details of the six-week build at peak mileage schedule that I've already provided for you that's actually at the foot of the macro cycles if you look at those um, that's already provided. And then finally, I'll send you off with a few words of encouragement and hopefully some inspiration. So check that out next week. Um, for this week, we've got our final program, um, our final week of the session. Sorry about that. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the program. It was uh, an experiment for me, first time I've done this, and I'd love to get your feedback on the program. If you just take a few minutes, there's a link to a survey on the worksheet. Um, so if you'll check that out, please, it'll take you five minutes. I have a series of questions. I think there's about 10 or 15 questions. They're all of them. Well, most of them are multiple choice select on a scale, like one through five or one through 10. There are a few short answer ones that I did not make required. I did require you to answer. If you're going to answer the survey, then it just makes sense for me to have a few questions that you take your time to answer. So please just fill those out quickly. And then um, if you want to leave a note there, there's an option for that as well. Or if you want to just send me personalized feedback to me directly, you can do that at my email address, which is how you found me in the first place. But it's sisson at telusrunning.com. Again, hopefully you enjoyed the program. This is the final week, and here are the weekly training details. So this week we're going back to the session that we had for week number three, which was the three, well, sorry, the five three one fartlek for a timed three miles. Um, hopefully you did that in week three. Um, if you did, then this should be a great opportunity for you to get a, a true representation of your fitness that you've, en you've enjoyed through building through this program. If you did that session, then you can pull up your time and compare this week's effort to what you did in week three. Hopefully you got faster. There's a specific question about that in the survey. Um, if you did not do that session, then I stand by this session being one of the most most beneficial um, and one of the very best sessions that you can add to your training repertoire. So if you want to use it as a time trial, you can do the workout exactly the same way. If you just want to do the workout, feel free to do that as well. There's no requirement. I just wanted to provide a handy way for you to get an idea of whether or not you got fitter. My guess is that most of you, if you did the program, already know you've gotten fitter, but I do think it's pretty valuable to see exactly how much you improved by and I would love for you to indicate um, what that improvement was um, on the survey. If you would do that, that would be great. Um, so anyway, let's go into this session just in case someone hasn't done it. And we'll go through what this session includes. So this is basically half a workout, half a time trial. And I've learned over the years that time trials absolutely are put the fear of God into people. And they almost always are skipped if I indicate them as such. So please be open to the session itself, even if you aren't going to do it as a time trial, because I think it's so useful. While there's not a real need for knowing your specific paces in the program, 
This workout allows you to learn how to do, figure out what your efforts are and to know what your feel is for different paces. And I find that if you test your fitness at the beginning and the end of the program, it's really, really helpful. So it's the workout how it was designed in the first place, number one, to be a great workout, number two, to allow you to figure out where your fitness is. So again, this won't tell you what you can run for a 5K. It won't tell you what you can run for a half marathon. It won't tell you any of that information. All it's going to tell you is that you got fitter. And really at this point in this program, that's what we really want to know. We want to know how much improvement you found over the 12-week training cycle that you progressed in. If you started at, and you'll have some other feedback positions to tell yourself about that. Number one, you'll have how much more your weekly mileage is. You'll be able to see that you're able to complete the workouts as written, um, maybe at certain paces, maybe those have gotten faster. You've been able to notice that you've gotten your long run up from maybe four or five miles up to 12 miles as if you followed the program completely. So that is all in play for you to be able to say, hey, I am fitter. Look at these ways. But a lot of times people want to relegate, they want to see what their fitness is in comparison to pace per mile or how fast they can run. Now, if you really want to do that, then I would suggest you do a time trial. Um, unfortunately, at this point in time with where we're at with the coronavirus, you can't just jump in and do a 5K time trial. So, I mean, 5K race somewhere. So you'd have to do a time trial. Um, but it's very useful to do that in order to um, figure out where you're at. And I'll talk about that in the next episode, in episode 13, when I delineate exactly how it might be beneficial for you to take the information you gleaned from this week, this 12-week program and transition it into something else. There's some more notes on what a fartlek is. If you did this workout in week three, you know. But otherwise, I'm just going to go over it because I have a few minutes. So fartlek is a sw Swedish word for speed play. In the history of distance running, the Swedes and the Finns um, marked a huge transition in training theory. Prior to the use of fartlek, most runners ran either easy or maybe they even walked to develop fitness. Sometimes they would do sprints, um, but they would take huge amounts of rest between them. So the Scandinavians upended the continuous running at one speed with fluctuations and pace changes in the context of a single run. In this way, they made varying paces a part of training theory, became part of the way we even look at it. Um, eventually, this led to breaking up training runs into intervals, shorter, faster running balanced with rest periods. And there, and, and that, that kind of work um, expanded in the 40s and 50s and 60s um, and to the point now where we see most people's training programs include intervals more than they include fartleks. I still think fartleks are incredibly valuable because of the element of play. So there's two basic types of fartleks, a traditional free fartlek or freeform fartlek and a structured fartlek. So the traditional version is a kind of play where accelerations and varying paces and distances are included in a run. So you'll choose some natural landmark, say a tree or a hill, maybe a telephone pole, maybe a light pole, maybe the end of a block. And you'll vary that um, distance always. You'll always be choosing maybe a half block, a full block, one place to another place. Um, and, that, and then you'll run fast, accelerate to that natural landmark and then run easy for a period of time after it and then do it again and do it again and keep varying the distance you run the paces you run and varying um all those pieces those pieces um so individual fartleks are truly free form in the sense that you're picking out 
a uh, those locations of whatever you're choosing is completely of your own devising. When you run in groups, you still have a free form, but one runner decides where they're running and at what paces. You can alternate between runners if you're in a group. This makes for a phenomenal workout because everybody is making, having to adjust to one person and no one person is making that plan. You can, if you want to, in a group, have one person be sort of the boss of the fartlek. I've done it a number of different ways. But truly the freest form fartlek option that there is is certainly an individual fartlek where you're deciding that on your own. Of course, when you add other people, you change and make the workout more challenging, but you are not free in the sense that you're not the one making that selection. Someone else is making that selection. Um, also, if you do the uh, freeform fartlek, it can be done in a park um, or the like, and a coach can blow a whistle to control the distance run and the athletes can control the paces. So there's a lot of ways in which that can happen. So those are examples of a traditional fartlek. A structured fartlek is what we are going to be doing. So I have determined, I have predetermined a time that's designated for you to run at faster places and slower paces, and you determine what those paces are based on the time frame you're running or the distance that you cover in this case, okay? And you'll choose that for both the faster and the slower sections. So you're in control. I'm in control of how long you go. You're going to go five minutes, three minutes, and one minute with the same amount of recovery. But you have the ability to control how fast you run on the faster and slower sections of it, okay? As I said, we're alternating between five minutes of faster running with three minutes of easier running, okay? So it's five, three, 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 one, three, okay? All of this is with a three-minute easy jog. Now, because we are in um, the second section of this, if you're using this for a time trial, then do it exactly the same way. Five, three, 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 one, three. Five minutes fast, three minutes easy, three minutes fast, three minutes easy, one minute fast, three minutes easy. However, if you want to add a challenge to this and you're not looking to make this workout be a part of your um, time trial, then you can move your rest to being equal. So five minutes hard, five minutes easy, three minutes hard, three minutes easy, one minute hard, one minute easy, then back into the five, okay? That makes it more challenging, okay, to go for it doing that way. But ultimately what we're doing here is just changing gears and you'll be changing at the speeds with which you watch. You don't want to run the five minutes at the same speed the five minutes hard at the same pace that you run the three minutes hard because you're running hard for what would be five minutes. Now that we've done the steady runs and the steady um, and the broken tempo, you guys have an idea of how you can adjust your paces based on how you're feeling and what your effort needs to be. So just keep in mind that you want to do five minutes of hard running for whatever you can do for five minutes of hard running. Same for three and then the same for one. So each one of those will probably be a little bit faster. But don't worry too much about what pace you're running because this is speed play. Have fit. If you go too fast, then adjust and run easier on the rests or on the faster section just to be sure that you can run the whole three miles of distance with changing these paces. So you're going to complete three miles and you're going to just keep alternating between five, three, 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 one throughout. Okay? You might get through one, you might get two through two. I don't believe you'll, any of you will really get through three of the full sets in three miles. You might get through two. Um, so anyway, the paces will be a little bit um, 
a little bit off and you might feel like you're kind of uh, running willy-nilly and you don't have an exact idea of where you're at, but that's okay because you're able to go back and look at it later and decide where you're at. And even if you don't go back and look at it, you are in control of this. This is all about having fun and seeing how you're feeling and getting this understanding that you are in control of your running. You make the decisions, you make the determinations, and you decide how fast you go and how slow you go. This is why fartlicks are so amazing. You can relax. You can't do this wrong. No matter what, you'll be getting a good stimulus from this workout. Okay, this week, move again, take that time that you ran for it and test it against week three, and you'll have a better, a pretty good idea of exactly how much fitter you got from this program. Okay, moving on to the speed economy. So we are repeating this session, which we've done a number of times. It's 200-meter repeats with a 200-meter jog. I hope you have got a good feel for this one at this point in time. You're going to do 8 to 10 reps. So I end with this speed economy session because it's the most important one for you to continue to keep up in your training program. If you balance this workout with the strides workout, remember when we did strides, or the builds, you could even do the builds if you wanted to, you'll be pretty well set on keeping your quickness and speed throughout your program. Just to remind everyone, 200 meters is picking a 200 meter pace at which you can run that's fast but not too, too fast, and then taking an easy 200 meter jog recovery after it and doing eight to 10 repetitions of that. You would do eight, you would be sitting at um, two miles. If you do 10, you'll be two and a half miles, okay? And your warm up and cool down, as I've said from the very beginning, are always 10, 15, or 20 minutes, depending on the volume that you're trying to get done. Okay, moving on to the long run. So this long run, the long run this week is your final one. And of course, we're gonna add a close to it. So you guys are repeating the distance that you ran in last week, week 11. 30 to 40 miles per week, you have 12 miles easy, then a 20-minute close, then 40 to 50 miles per week, you're at 14 miles easy with a final 20-minute close, and the 50 to 60-mile-per-week group, you have a 16-mile easy run with a final 20-minute close. You see I've moved the close up to 20 minutes. As you progress in this programming, if you choose to, you could expand that out to 30 minutes, but I don't really do that until I get working with advanced-level athletes. 30 minutes is a long time to be focused on the end of your workout, and it ends up turning that easy run into much more of a challenging um, endeavor. It may seem strange that only 10 minutes would make a big difference, but for some reason it really does. So what I'm asking you to do is just keep it at 20 minutes, and then if you join my program in the future, you'll get opportunities to do 30-minute closes. To remind everyone, a close is a fast finish in the final minutes of your long run. Other people call that a fast finish. These are designed to allow you to get the opportunity to start pushing a little bit on your long runs. A reminder, the diff biggest difficulty of your long run is just the volume that you're doing. But by adding a little bit of a close in here, you're, you're adding the, the, the greater challenge and you're making the workout more difficult, okay? You can do this at the end of it. Some people will like to take a close and then give themselves five minutes of easy running afterwards. I don't really like to do that. I like to finish all the way hard, all the way with my program. It's just the way I like to do it. So everybody can do that a little bit differently, okay? All right, so finally, we'll get to our fundamental. This week, we want to talk about stress. So the definition of stress is the body's reaction to any change that requires an adjustment or response. Let me repeat that. Stress is the body's reaction to any change that requires an adjustment or a response. That leaves an incredibly wide playing field for the definition, doesn't it? 
So good and bad stress exist. Stress is just change that happens and then your, your need to respond to that change and react to that change and make some kind of adjustment. So humans want to create order from chaos or more accurately, what seems like chaos. It might sound kind of dramatic, but it's kind of a fundamental of the worldview that I have. I believe that human beings are in a state, at least in our modern era, where we are disconnected from our bodies, disconnected from our primal mind, and disconnected from nature and our outward experience of nature. Now, nature is not just when you're in the woods. Nature is also when you're in a city. Anything made by man is still nature. Why? Because man built it. Therefore, it's nature. So, Everything being nature, we are in an, in a, we have a tendency as humans to try to take that randomness, what seems like randomness, and maybe disorganization, maybe challenge and stress, maybe uh, fear of dying, getting chased down by a, a lion, whatever the case may be back in the day. And we started to create systems so we could protect ourselves and begin to predict what was happening to us and how we could adjust it. So we added greater and greater levels of complexity in order to create some order, to take some order to balance out the chaos that we felt was engulfing us all around. That creates stress. So we live in stress all the time. A promotion, a job change, the coronavirus, getting a new car, falling in love for the first time or falling in love with a new person, falling back in love with someone. All these things are stressors, good and bad. Stress is an important thing for you to be able to deal with and understand. It's my opinion that most levels of stress that are dealt with are dealt with unconsciously or subconsciously. You are not paying attention to it. Now, with the case of the coronavirus in this situation, most of us have got it placed front and center with us. However, when you're not thinking about the coronavirus, somewhere in the background, you've got some stress program running because you're worried about what you're going to have to do to react and change based on something that's come into your new environment. Stress is all about, stress is there, it's ongoing no matter what. And what I'm asking you to do at the end of this program is to recognize, hey, stress is. It exists, good and bad, and my responsibility is to deal with it. I need to create order from chaos. Now, I personally think nature is not chaos. I think there's an order to it. I understand that order a little bit better. But there are things when I get in, when I get to a certain point where I feel like I'm out of control or things are out of control. And so then I want to put order on them. And what I'm saying to you is, listen, think about that and use that as an opportunity to recognize where you are in your world and then try to control your stress, okay? This is how you create order from chaos. Number one, attitude is everything. Whatever you think about the situation creates the situation one way or another. I'm not going to go into the actual science of that, but believe me that it's been proven to be true. Now, that doesn't mean that you make it all up. It just means that the way that you approach a problem or a challenge has everything to do with the way that that will be handled. So keep your positive, your attitude positive. Look for ways that you can control things, okay? 
Now, number so number one is attitude is everything. Number two, accept that you can't control everything. Okay, that's a, a absolutely important. And I think a lot of times people will talk about this after the fact of saying control, control, control. Yes, it is great to control. But the first thing you need to do, get your attitude right. The second thing you need to do is recognize you're not going to be able to control everything. Then you can engage with the things that you can control and begin to learn greater skills for accepting what you can't. So you're able to engage. Why did I use the word engage rather than say control what you can control? Because you don't really control it at first. All you can do is to get into an engagement with it, to begin to dance with it, play with it, um, wrestle it, manage it, manage yourself, manage the emotions and energy and the feel that comes around that stress or that thing that you can control. And little by little, what you'll find is that you're able to have more skillful action in the ability to control what you need to control. And then you'll have skills because you've learned to control those things to deal with accepting what you can't control. Number three, here are three actionable items, actionable things that will change your life if you place them in it when it comes to stress. Number one, breathe. Follow your breath. Take, more, take deeper and more healing breaths. I talked about this a little bit last week, but it's really, really important. I cannot stress enough how important breath is to stress reduction and to creating order in where there's chaos. Because it's one thing you can control absolutely unequivocally and without a shadow of a doubt. So breathe. Number two, run. A fit body handles stress much more effectively and it, in it integrates change somatically. So it takes those things that need to be changed, that stressor, and allows you to work with it with your body. I learned this when I was in school. In, in, in high school, I had a lot of stress in high school, changed schools, um, was uncool, and was a runner. And so a lot of people didn't pay attention to me. So I felt like I was unaccepted. I went from a place where I knew all my classmates and they were my best friends and I knew there was order in the world. Then I went to a public school where there wasn't, right? I, I was so grateful and thankful that I was a runner because I was able to take much of the challenge that was going on in my day-to-day -day life and run through it. And I was able to make... I was able to engage with what I could control, right? Which was my breath and my running and my rhythm and the work I did. And I actually learned a skill, breathing, relaxing, thinking through a problem without running my damn mouth. So I found skills that would allow, that helped me in accepting what I couldn't control. And for some reason with running, that changing that thing somatically makes all the difference in the world. So keep your running habit going. If you can't run, then do some kind of movement practice, be it yoga, qigong, um, tai chi, uh, martial art, walking, rock climbing, cycling, swimming. Pick anything, but just move through space, okay? And finally, my third recommendation is to meditate. Create a meditation process, even if it's not sitting in the lotus position for a period of time, breathing and watching your breath. All you have to do to meditate is to be with yourself, to be in your body, to be yourself, and to breathe. That's it. So that's the final fundamental for Basecamp. I hope you guys have enjoyed the program. Again, please fill out the survey. 
And listen for me next week where I'll close this whole thing up and wrap it up with a bow. Godspeed and take care.